In this episode of The Story of the Six, the young Guru Gobindrai reflects upon the martyrdom of his father, Guru Tegh Bahadur. The lad prepares himself to meet his destiny and fulfill the grand vision of Guru Nanak. He is tested by powerful kings who surround him, driven to jealousy by his increasing power and fame. I'm co-producer Erica Wong. Before we begin the episode, we have a favor to ask of you. If you find this work compelling, please be sure to rate it and write a short review. That will definitely help us get the podcast to a wider audience. Each time I get to a particular moment in my nithname or prayers, part of the daily Sikh liturgy, my head starts to fill with fleeting images. Even as I savor the cadence of Guru Gobind Singh's sublime poetry, by Dharam Singh Zakhmi, one of the greatest Sikh ragis or minstrels of modern times, in his inimitably eloquent manner, likens the Bani or writings of Guru Gobind Singh to a clear and sparkling stream bursting forth from the heart of a mountain in the pristine wilderness. The powerful torrent of words conjures up vivid images, whinnying stallions fleet of foot galloping like the wind. Richly caparisoned elephants swaying majestically, hordes of brave warriors with arms of steel, capable of laying waste to impregnable forts. And then, all of this magnificence magically morphs into a single point of infinite calm and peace. alone are enough to energize and uplift. The inherent drumbeat of the poetry is so insistent that it pervades your being. The rich images create tremendous excitement and anticipation. And yet, Guru Gobind Singh tells us that the trappings of power and wealth are but an illusion. And as he strips the illusion away, all that is left is love for the divine. I speak of the Tavprasad Sivayye, a collection of ten verses that appears in Guru Gobind Singh's sublime work, the Akal Ustat. I start wondering, why these particular words? Why these images? Surely there is much else in the world that is an illusion. Why these particular examples? The few traditional contextual sources that I could find for the Tavprasad Sivayye point to Guru Gobind Singh's interaction with the hill rajas, Hindu kings whose mountainous kingdoms bordered the Guru's citadel in Anandpur as the backdrop for the composing of the Sivayye. There seems to be general agreement 
that the words address temporal leaders to help them understand the ephemeral nature of their power, which undoubtedly was a source of great pride to them. The Sivaye have great relevance in our lives in the modern world as well. While we may not be surrounded by the powerful despots of yore thirsty for conquest, it is rather easy to recognize their modern avatars with the new versions of stallions, elephants, and armies that they take great pride in. Before sharing the stories of these kings and their interactions with Guru Gobind Singh, I would like to offer a translation of the Sivaye with the caution that my rendering can never even attempt to capture the magnificence and raw power of the original poetry. Saravag Suddha Samuha Siddhana ke dekha phiryo ghar jog jati ke Sura Suradana Suddha Sudada ka Santa Samuha anek mati ke Sari hi desh ko dekh rahe ho mat ko na dekhi at pranapati ke Sri Bhagavan ki bhai kripahute ekrati bin ekrati ke Holy man of many stripes, I have in my wandering seen warriors, demons, demigods, saints of many orders keen, many lands I have beheld, none can I as holy deem without the blessing of the Lord, all of them do worthless seem. माते मतंग जरे जर संगे अनुपयो तंग सुरंग सवारे कोट तुरंग कुरंग से कूदत पौण के गौण को जात निवारे भारी भुजान के भूप भली विद न्यावत सीस न जात विचारे एते भय तो कह भय भूपत अंत को नांगे ही पाए पधारे एलिफेंट्स बिजूल्ड एंड टॉल विद मैजेस्टी दे स्वे डियर लाइक हॉर्सेस स्विफ्टर देन विंड गैलप प्रांस एंड ने Mighty king, so strong of arm, their power all can reave, will come to naught glory and might, for they will barefoot leave. Jeeta fere sava desa disana ko bajat dhol mridang nagare, gunjat gud gajana ke sundar hinsat hai hai raja hajare, bhoot bhavik bhavan ke bhoopat kaun ganay nahi jat bichare, siripat sri bhagavan bhajevin antak antak dham sidhare. In triumph do the armies march to beat of mighty kettle drum. Elephants and steeds proclaim their glory in the fearsome thrum. Mighty kings are here today, and many more are sure to come. Godless they will all depart, hands bereft of even a crumb. Journeys to the holy lands, each merciful benevolent deed, the reading of each holy book, the chanting of each sacred screed, men abjuring food and lust, all of this I have seen too, if in the mind dwells not the Lord, penance such futile, untrue. Suddha sipa durant dubha so saj sana durjan dilenge, bhari guman bhare man mekar parvat pankh halena halenge, tore arena maror mavasana mate matangana mana malenge, sripat sri bhagavan kripa binatyag jahan nidana chalenge. Warriors brave their armor shines, mighty foes to crush they seek, 
pillars of resolve and pride, as mighty as a mountain peak, smite their enemies, rebels crush, before them even elephants flee, without the grace of the one divine, leave they must on bended knee. Bire apar bade bade ar vachar saar ki dhar vachaiya, torat desh malind mawasan maadag jaan ke maan malaiya, gaad gaadaan ke toadan haar so vatan hi chak chaar lavaiya, saib sri sab kosir naik jachak nek so ek dvaiya. Hordes of mighty warriors brave, unflinching in the face of steel, kingdoms they humble with their might, fear of nothing do they feel, the power of their words alone, mighty bastions fall and kneel, at the threshold of the Lord, they too like beggars appeal. दानव देव फनिंद निशाचर भूत भविख भवान जपेंगे जीव जते जल में थल में पल ही पल में सब थाप थपेंगे पुण्य प्रतापन बाढ़ जैत धुन पापन के बह पुंज खपेंगे साध समूह प्रसन्न फिरे जग सत्र सब अवलोक छपेंगे डीमन्स डेमोगॉड सर्पेंट्स गोस्ट टू द लॉर्ड दे विल सबमिट द क्रीचर्स ऑफ बोथ लैंड एंड सी इन अ ट्विंकलिंग आर बाय हिज लाइट लिट देयर वर्चुज ग्रो इन लीप्स एंड बाउंड्स Faults and sins they are effaced, wander they will in peace and joy, all their foes shall be erased. Manav indra gajindra naradhap jonatra lok ko raja karenge, kota sanana gajayak daan aneka suyambar saaj bharenge, brahma mahesar business chipat antafase jamfas parenge, jenar sripat ke prasahe pag tenar pher na deh dharenge. Kings of men and demigods, armies strong are in their thrall. Men of power, rituals show, opulent weddings, arms for all. With the gods they too shall fall, none of them can outrun fate. Those that are by the Lord blessed, freed from birth, a hallowed state. कहाँ भयो जो लोचन मूंद के बैठ रहे हो बक ध्यान लगायो नाथ फिरियो लिए साथ समुद्रन लोक गयो पर लोक गवायो बास कियो बिख्यान सु बैठ के ऐसे ही ऐसे सु बैस बितायो साच कहो सुन लेओ सबे जिन प्रेम कियो तिन ही प्रभ पायो फूलिशनेस टू शट योर आईज लाइक अ स्टिल एंड साइलेंट क्रेन पिलग्रमेजेस रिचुअल बैथ्स यूजलेस ऑल योर लाइव्स रिमेन in evil deeds is spent your life wasted is your every day hark ye for i speak the truth seek him with love the only way kahule pahun pooja thareo sir kahule ling gare latkayo kahule khyo har vaachi disa mein kahu pacha ko sis nivayo ko upatan ko poojat hai pas ko umratan ko poojan dhayo kur khiraya aur jo sab hi jag sri bhagwan ko bhed na payo Worthy of worship are not stones, nor the idols that you bear. See him not by turning south, nor in the west. He is not there. Fools to idols bend their heads, and to graves they go to bow. In ritual is the world enmeshed. Fathom the Lord? They know not how. ph 
popular tradition holds that these verses were composed when the Guru was at Anandpur Sahib. Max Arthur McAuliffe, in Volume 5 of his monumental work, The Sikh Religion, Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors, tells a story of a visitor that the young Guru received at Anandpur. Raja Ram Rai of Assam had been a follower of Guru Tegh Bahadur many years earlier when Guru Tegh Bahadur had traveled to the east. Then childless, he had asked for the Guru's blessing and in due course a son was born to him who was named Ratan Rai. The twelve-year-old Ratan Rai, who had been brought up listening to stories of Guru Tegh Bahadur's glory, decided to travel all the way to Anandpur to pay his respects to the new Guru. The young king, accompanied by his mother and prominent members of his court, brought many magnificent gifts for the Guru. Five horses with elaborate golden trappings, a small but extremely wise elephant, a cleverly designed weapon that was a pistol, a sword, a lance, a dagger, and a club all in one. He also brought an expensive drinking cup, jewelry, and fine clothes. And among the gifts was a very cleverly designed throne. When a button was pressed on the throne, out came dancing puppets, that played a board game similar to Pachisi. The young guru received the king, who begged to be taken into his fold and blessed. Very excited, Ratan Rai presented all his gifts to the guru and demonstrated their wonder to the guru and his court. The grand finale was an exhibition of the little elephant's capabilities, which on command cleaned the Guru's shoes and placed them before him. When the Guru shot an arrow, the elephant scurried to fetch it like a well-trained dog. The elephant also held a jug of water in his trunk while the Guru's feet were washed and then wiped them with a towel. He stood behind the Guru, waving a chore or yak-tail whisk around his head, a mark of respect usually reserved for royalty. At nightfall, the elephant held up a lighted torch in his trunk and led the guru to his chambers. The elephant was called Prasaddi Hathi, or Blessed Elephant, and was greatly celebrated in the guru's court. When Ratan Rai was about to leave Anandpur, he begged the guru to always keep the Prasaddi Hathi by his side. Anandpur at that time lay in the kingdom of Kahlur, which was ruled by Raja Bhimchand of a very storied Rajput clan. His capital, Bilaspur, lay in the foothills of the Himalayas on the banks of the river Sutlej. Raja Bhimchand was a proud king whose family had ruled for a thousand years before he had ascended the throne of Kalur. In volume 10 of his work, Dwarih Guru Khalsa, Gani Gyan Singh colorfully describes this period in Guru Gobind Singh's life. Religious persecution by the Mughal administration was on the rise, and many flocked to Guru Gobind Singh's protection to avoid forcible conversion to Islam. In Anandpur, the young Guru had his followers engage in martial pursuits, teaching them how to use weapons and ride and drill 
very cognizant of the struggles that lay ahead, his growing influence in the proud Raja Bhimchan's backyard was bound to raise the haughty king's hackles. The Guru commissioned a large kettle drum known as the Ranjit Nagara. When his masans or deputies learned of its construction, they were apprehensive that it might give offense to Raja Bhimchand, who was known for his prickly pride. But the Guru's followers were delighted when it was completed. The drum would be taken wherever the Guru went and would be beaten with great gusto. One time, the Guru was hunting close to Bilaspur and the thunder of the Ranjit Nagara was heard in the capital of Raja Bhimchand. The residents of Bilaspur were perturbed, fearing that an attacking force was advancing upon them. When the king summoned his prime minister and demanded an explanation, he was told that it was the son of Guru Tegh Bahadur who had purchased the village of Makowal from Raja Bhimchand's own mother several years earlier. The king was told that the guru had fortified the village, which was now called Anandpur. The prime minister also told him about Raja Ratan Rai's visit and the magnificent gifts that he had brought the guru. He advised his lord to reach out to the young guru and establish friendly relations with him. The guru, he said, was a revered holy man and had a large army in his service. Such a man could prove to be a useful ally. Bhimchand, much intrigued, sent his prime minister to arrange a meeting with the guru. The prime minister was cordially received by the guru's uncle Kirpal and a formal invitation was issued to the king to visit Anandpur. Raja Bhimchand was received with full honors in the guru's court and a friendly dialogue ensued. The king curiously asked the guru about the fabulous presents that Raja Ratan Rai had brought him. He was shown everything except the Prasaddi Hathi, and the king exclaimed in wonder as the expensive gifts were exhibited. A second meeting with the guru followed, the site of which was a magnificent tent that had been sent to the guru from Kabul by a wealthy Sikh named Dunichand. Raja Bhimchand's eyes popped upon beholding the opulence of the tent. His courtiers whispered to him that it was worth 250,000 rupees, a princely sum in those days. The guru was holding court, attended by his deputies, his leading warriors, bards, musicians, and a troop of wrestlers who were to put on an exhibition. Finally, the little elephant was brought forth and the king was shown his astonishing capabilities. Raja Bhimchand seemed much pleased and expressed wonder at the magnificence of the Guru's court. Inwardly, Raja Bhimchand was burning with jealousy. How dare this young upstart establish such a presence right under my nose? I am the bluest of blue bloods, and he is the son of a fakir, a mendicant. These magnificent possessions should rightly be mine. And the kettle drum? How dare he? He summoned his council of ministers to hatch a plan. 
A delegation from the kingdom of Garhwal was expected imminently. The daughter of Raja Fateh Shah of Garhwal was to be betrothed to Bhim Chand's son. It was decided that the upcoming festivity should be used as a pretext for borrowing the Prasaddi Hathi, which then would never be returned. When the Guru heard the request, he was in a quandary. Refusal would be a provocation and might lead to a conflict. On the other hand, if the elephant was not returned, the Guru would be honor-bound to get it back, which again could provoke a conflict. Besides, Raja Ratanrai had earnestly requested the Guru to never part from his gift. The Guru sent back a reply. The elephant was a gift from a beloved Sikh, and the Guru was unable to send it. However, he had other beautiful elephants that he would be very happy to provide for the festivities. Raja Pimchan's envoy returned to Bilaspur with the Guru's response. He managed to inflame his lord further by observing that the Guru seemed to be completely unafraid of Raja Pimchan or the other kings in the surrounding kingdoms. Pimchan summoned his prime minister, who counseled restraint, but the haughty king was unmoved. Boastfully he thundered, I will humble his pride. He is just a boy, and he has not been tested in battle. I will take the elephant and everything else he has by force. Thus were sown the seeds of strife between Raja Pimchand and Guru Gobind Singh. After Pimchand's unsuccessful attempts at seizing the gifts that the Guru had received from Ratan Rai, the Guru decided to leave Pimchand's territory and settle at Ponta, a town on the banks of the Yamuna River in the kingdom of Sirmore. The year was 1686. The 20-year-old Guru Gobind Rai, as he was then known, was no stranger to turmoil. Eleven years earlier, his father, Guru Tegh Bahadur, had been brutally beheaded for daring to stand up to the Mughal Emperor Aurangzeb's oppression of his non-Islamic subjects. The young Guru's personality had been shaped by these traumatic events, and he was acutely aware that the onus was on him to carry on the battle against tyranny. His grandfather, Guru Hargobind, had already donned the twin swords of piety and might, and Guru Nanak had unequivocally laid down the doctrine of boldly confronting tyranny, no matter what the odds or the cost. The stage was set for a new phase in the fight for justice and change. The Guru's grand and brilliant design which would culminate in his arming the Sikh Panth or nation with the sword of righteousness and justice, was starting to crystallize. The steel that 13 years later would become the essence of the Khalsa, the new form that the Guru was to bequeath upon his followers, was to be tempered in this year, on the banks of the Yamuna in a small village known as Pangani. The circumstances that led up to the Battle of Pangani were complicated. They involved the prickly pride of the hill rajas, 
who had been ruling for a thousand years and looked upon the young guru as an interloper and an upstart, they also involved a convoluted web of relationships between the hill rajas themselves. Matters came to a head when a wedding was arranged between the son of Raja Bhimchand, who was of course a sworn enemy of the Guru, and Raja Fadeshah of Garhwal, who was on friendly terms with the Guru and his followers. When an invitation was sent to the Guru, he politely declined. Since Bhimchand was at odds with him, he wanted to preempt any unsavory incidents that his presence at the wedding might provoke. Instead, the Guru sent his chief deputy, Divan Nandachand, with valuable jewels and presents to represent him. Raja Pimchand, Raja Kesari Chand, Raja Gupal, Raja Harichand, and the Rajas of Kangra, Mandi, and Suket left for Raja Fatesha's capital of Srinagar with great pomp and show. One of their halts on the way was on the banks of the river Yamuna close to Ponta. When Bhimchand heard that the Guru was encamped a few miles away at the Rajkhat ferry crossing with his troops, he feared that a confrontation might be imminent. It might be wise to take a different route to avoid conflict, but then the wedding party was sure to lose time. Bhimchand sent his prime minister to gauge the Guru's intentions with instructions that he was to respectfully ask that the wedding party be allowed to proceed unmolested. The Guru knew of the ill will that the hill rajas bore him, and he had heard of Bhimchan's vain boasts, which had irritated him. He enigmatically told the Prime Minister that if the hill rajas had the courage, they should try to pass through Rajkart, but if they did not, they should take a more indirect route and thus avoid a confrontation. Pimchand was incensed and swore revenge. Let me get the wedding over with. I will return with Fateh Shah and bring this upstart to heel. Being familiar with the Guru's nature, Pimchand was sure that his son would not be harmed. He sent his son with a small escort to Rajkhat so that they might seek the Guru's permission to take the direct route. The Guru received the lad graciously and sent him on his way. After the hill rajas arrived in Srinagar, they were received in Fatesha's court. Also present was Divan Nandchan, the Guru's chief deputy, who was there to represent the Guru and deliver his gifts. When Fatesha's herald announced that the Guru had sent expensive gifts worth more than a hundred thousand rupees for the bride, Raja Bhimchand turned to his allies and howled in protest, The Guru is my enemy! Fatesha's accepting his gifts is an affront to me! If he doesn't return the gifts, I shall call the wedding off. The Raja of Kangra cautioned Bhimchand, and asked him not to make a hasty decision. This is an opportunity. Why don't you ask Fateh Shah to join us in attacking the Guru after the wedding? It will serve as a litmus test. If he agrees, we will have a powerful ally who will be very useful in ousting the Guru from Anandpur. If he refuses, break the engagement by all means. Fateh Shah was much perturbed when Bhimchan's delegation arrived. 
the Guru was his friend, who had never done him any harm. Bhim Chand had no reason to go to war against the Guru. It was just his foolish pride that made him behave the way he did. Fatesha graciously offered to mediate between Bhim Chand and the Guru. Peace, he told the delegation, is to everyone's benefit. When Raja Bhim Chand heard Fatesha's response, he pompously declared that there was no question of his accepting Fatesha's daughter. The Guru is a nobody. We are all blue-blooded Rajput kings. Choosing him over us is an unbearable insult. Raja Fatesha was in a quandary. His conscience told him that Bhim Chand was in the wrong. But if his daughter was abandoned on the cusp of her wedding, it would bring much shame to his clan, and she would never find a suitor again. In a moment of weakness, Fatesha set his principles aside and promised to ride into battle against the Guru with Bhim Chand. Thus was the stage set for the young Guru's first battle. Guru Gobind Singh's stirring composition, the Pachitra Natak, or the wonderful drama, an autobiographical work which appears in the Dasam Granth, which we will delve into in an upcoming episode, has a vivid account of the Battle of Pangani. Raja Saja Ham Parjab Ayo Jatha Sakat Tab Dharma Chalayo Bhat Bhat Ban Khel Sikara Mare Reach Roj Jhankhara the mantle on my shoulder sits, I take the righteous path, it fits, seeking sport in forests near stalking elk, antelope, bear, Leaving fair Anandpurai Rome until in Pontai make my home, Kalindri's bank a wondrous stage, spectacle of jester and mage, mighty lions so many I slay, elks and bears I turn to clay. Fateh Kopetab Raja, Lohpara Ham So Bin Kaja, Taha Sa Sri Sa Sangram Kope, Pancho Beer Banke Prithi Pai Rope Hati Jeet Mal Su Gaji Gulabang Ranang Dekya Rang Rupang Sahabang Hatio Mahari Chandayang Gangaramang Jine Kitayang Jitiyang Fojatamang Kape Lal Chandang Kie Lal Rupang Jine Gajiyang Garb Singhang Anupang Kripyo Maharu Kaharu Rupdhare Jine Khan Kaviniyang Ketamare Kupyo Devate Sang Dayaram Juddang Kyo Drone Ki Jyo Maha Judd Suddang Kripal Kopayang Kutko Sambhari Hati Khan Hayat Ke Sisjari Uti Chinch Inch Kad Mej Jorang Mano Mahanang Mataki Kanaforang 
For the Isha, the mighty king, unprovoked does gauntlet fling. Sri Sain, rage is ready to strike. Warriors, five form a steadfast dyke. Jeethmal, tenacious, gulab the fierce. Faces flushed seek foes to pierce. Mahari and Ganga, warriors bold, bask in triumph their enemies cold. Lalchand, great hero, choleric face. To valiant foes he shows their place. Maharu incensed, anger burning bright, dispatches Karans in fearsome fight. Dayaram, that gentle holy sage, fiercer than Drona's towering rage. Kirpal in his anger does wield his mace, crushing the doughty Hayat Khan's face. Spatter of brains, the warrior rot, butter exploding from a shattered pot. Taha nand chandang kiyo kop bharo, lagiyo barchi kripanang sambharo, tuti teg trikha, kade jam dandang, hathi rakhyang lajj bansang sanandang. Taha mat leyang kripalang kruddang, chakyo chok chhatri kareyo juddh saddhang, Sahe deh apang mahabir banang, karo khan banin khali palanang. Hathyo sahib chand khetang khatrayanang, hane khan khuni khurasan bhanang, tahabir banke bhali bhaat maare, bache pran leke sipahi sidhare. तहा शाह संग्राम कीनो अखारे घने खेत सो जान खूनी लतारे नृपंग गोपाल यंग खरो खेत गाजे मृगा झुंड मध्यंग मनो सिंह राजे तहा एक बीरंग हरि चंद कोपयो भली भांत सो खेत में पाव रोपयो महा क्रोध ते तीर तीखे प्रहारे लगे जौन के तीर पारे पधारे Spear in hand, Nandachan joins the fight. Mighty hero's sword does smite. Sword is shattered, but he has a plan. Drawn dagger honors the Sodi clan. My uncle Kripal then enters the fray. Valorous deeds the warrior's way. Unmindful of sharp arrow sting. Brave Khan from the saddle does the hero fling. Sahib Chand with a true Khatri's might. Snuffs out bloody Afghan's light, felling warriors with fearful glee. Hither and thither survivors flee. The mighty Shah comes into his own, bloody Khans trampled and moan. Gopal the king spreads doom and fear, a lion loose in a herd of deer. Brave Harichand, angry and bold, his feet in battleground do take hold. With arrows swift the sky is filled, countless warriors struck and killed. Harichand Kruddang, Hane Sur Suddang, Bale Bhan Bahe, Bade San Gahe, Rasang Rudrang Rache, Mahaloh Mache, Rane Shastradhari, Lite Bhoop Bhari, Tave Jeet Malang, Harichand Bhallang, Hride Anch Mario, Sukhe Tang Utario, Lage Beer Barnang, Riseo Tej Manang, Samu Bajdare, स्वर्गंग सिधारे 
Harichand, Furious, Warriors, Bane, Storm of Arrows, Mayhem Insane, Fearful Nell, His Weapons Sing, Laying Waste, Commoner and King, Jeetmal's Lance Strikes a Heavy Blow, Harichand Falls, His Blood Does Flow, Stricken Warriors, Bloody and Red, Horses Have Heavenwards Fled. Kule Khan Kuni, Kurasan Kagang, Padi Sastradharang, Uti Jal Angang, Bhaiti Rabhirang Kamanang, Kadake, Gire Bajtaji, Lage Dhirathake, Baji Bhir Bhunkar Dhuke Nagare, Dohang Urte Bir Banke Bakare, Kare Bat Aghat Sastrang Praharang, Ducky Dankani Chavandi Cheetakarang Bloodthirsty Khans bearing swords of ire, Afghan steel, sharp edges of fire, arrows do swarm and bows do twang, many a steed falls with a bang, trumpets clash and kettle drums roar, thunderous growls of warriors soar, dreadful cries of witches shrill. From gushing wounds they drink their fill. Kaha lage baranan karo machyo judh apar Je lajje judje sabhe bhajje sur hajar How shall I recount this great battle I did see? Many fell fighting bravely and many yet did flee. Bhajyo saha pahar taji tripayang Chaleo birea tirea nachalayang Jamo dandvalang sudhakkar susahang Bhaje sing leke susari sipahang Chakrit chopeo chandgaji chandelang Hati hari chandgehe hath melang Karat swam dharmang Maha rose rujjang Gireo tuk tuk hue iso surj jang तहां खान ने जाब तो आन कह के हनेओ साह संग्राम को शस्त्र लेके किथे खान बानीन हुवंग अस्त्र जारो सही साह संग्राम सुरगंग सिधारो The hill chief spurs his steed and flees His warriors quivers are full he sees Chief of Jaswal, Tardwal too Their soldiers taste the coward's brew King of Chandale, he seems confused. Spear in hand is Harichand enthused. Leader of men, furious and brave, sends many a warrior to his grave. In the battle's deadly ebb and flow, Shah Sago receives a mighty blow. Pride of Khans, their weapons bared. Web of death, the hero ensnared. मार नजावत खान को संगो जुजे जुझार हा हा ए लोके भयो सुर्ग लोक जयकार सागो शाह is dead as does नजावत sleep the heavens rejoice as the world does weep लखे शाह संग्राम जुजे जुझारं तवं कीट बानं कमानं संभारं हनयो एक खान खेयालं खतंगं Dasyo Satrako Jan Syamang Bujangang Giryo Bhumso Barn Dujo Sambhareo Mukhang Bhikanang Khan Te Tan Mareo 
भजयो खान खूनी रहयो खेत ताजी तजे प्राण तीजे लगे बाण बाजी छुटी मूर्छना हरी चंद संभारे गहे बाण कामाण भय ऐंच मारे लगे अंग जाके रहे ना संभारंग तनंग त्याग के देव लोकंग पधारंग दुयंग बाण खेंचे इकंग बाण मारे बली बीर बाचीन ताजी बिदारे जिसे बाण लागे रहे ना संभारंग तनंग बेदते ताह पारंग सिधारंग सबे स्वाम धर्मंग सुबीरंग संभारे डकी डांकणी भूत प्रेतंग बकारे हसे बीर बैताल ओंग सुद्ध सिद्धंग चवी चावडी यंग उडी गिद्ध वृद्धंग हरि चंद कोपे कमानंग संभारंग प्रथम बीज यंग ताण बाणंग प्रहारंग द्वितीय ताक के तीर मोको चलायंग रखयो दैव में कान छै के सिधायंग तृतीयंग बाण मारयो सो पेटी मझारंग विद्यंग चिलकतंग दयाल पारंग पधारंग चुबी चिंच चरमंग कछु घाव न आयंग कलंग केवलंग जान दासंग बचायंग when i see shah sago laid down low i hold aloft my mighty bow seek out a khan i let my arrow fly it stings like a snake i watch him die notch a second arrow in its place and let it fly at beacon's face the bloody khan retreats in fear an arrow third his end is near hari chand does from a swoon arise rain of deadly arrows reprise his arrows with unerring aim many fearful warriors claim hark he now shoots arrows too where his arrows strike he has no clue his rapid arrows fueled by ire send many to the funeral pyre gallant warriors the battle's thrill ghouls cackle shriek and drink their fill rejoicing at the macabre sight under watchful eye of circling kite harichand draws and let fly with force his arrow first it strikes my horse another flies it seems so near the lord protects it nicks my ear third arrow strikes its blow is felt it lodges deep in my waist belt the tip does not my body find his servant safe the lord is kind jabe baan lagyo tabe ros jagyo karang la kamanang hanang baan tanang sabe veer dhaye sarogham chalaye तबे ताक बानंग हनयो एक जवानंग हरि चंद मारे सुजोदा लतारे सुकारोड़ रायंग हवे काल घायंग रणंग त्याग भागे सबे त्रास पागे भई जीत मेरी कृपा काल केरी रणंग जीत आए जयंग गीत गाए धनगधार बरखे सबे सूर हरखे the blow is felt it rouses my ire i raise my bow return the fire a shower of arrows the soldiers flee a warrior's end with my eyes i see harichand dies his soldiers fall karodrai lays in death's thrall they leave the field eyes filled with fear the battle's mind the lord is near 
We return victorious, sing songs of glee. Warriors rejoice, great wealth they see. Judd jeet aaye jabe tike na tin pur pavang. Kahalur me bandheo an anandpur gavang. Jeje narte na bhire dine nagar nikar. Jete thor bhale bire trine kari pratpar. Victory is ours, but we do not stay. We set up a home by Anandpur way. Turn away those who chose not to fight. The warriors prosper in my sight. Bhat divas e bhat bitaye. Sant ubar dusht sab khaye. Tang tang kar hane nidana. Kukar jim tin tajay prana. Thus do we spend many a day. Protect the good evildoers flay, the wicked to their death we send, akin to dogs their miserable end. The battle was fought at the village of Pangani, eight miles north of Ponta on the banks of Giri, a tributary of the river Jamuna. The Guru moved from Ponta to Pangani and occupied an elevated position to direct the battle. Near the bank of the river, there was flat land where the actual battle was fought. The Guru commanded a ragtag army of volunteers, which included relatives and followers whose names feature in his description of the battle. He had in his employ 500 Bhutan mercenaries who reneged and joined the enemy. Those were the Khans whose names are mentioned in his account. In the words of the Afghan mercenaries after their defection, only a few of the Guru's followers had any experience in battle. There are his five cousins, his uncle Kirpal, Divan Nandchand, and Pai Dayaram. The others who are with him are the dregs of the populace and know not even how to handle a sword. Sangosha, Mahichand, and Jeetmal were the Guru's valiant cousins, and Kripalchand was his maternal uncle. Some of the prominent hill rajas allied with Pimchand and Fatechand, who are mentioned in Guru Gobind Singh's account, were Kirpal of Katoch, Gopal of Guler, Harichand of Hindur, and Kesari Chand of Jaswal. Of these, Harichand in particular was a formidable warrior, and he took a heavy toll on the Guru's forces until the Guru himself dispatched him. The Guru won a great and improbable victory, humbling the proud Rajput kings and their Patan allies, all of whom had been warriors for generations. In addition to the few battle-hardened men he had, unlikely heroes made their mark that day. Ram Singh, a mechanic from Banaras, fashioned a cannon for the Guru which was put to very effective use in the battle. A confectioner, whose name was Lal Chand, diffidently walked up to the Guru. I want to do my part, my lord, but I have never touched a weapon in my life. The Guru blessed the confectioner and gave him a horse, a sword, and a shield. 
As he fumbled with the weapons, the Guru's soldiers laughed at his ineptness and somewhat tongue-in-cheek said, Our Guru will kill hawks with sparrows. Lal Chand charged bravely at the Pathan contingent, prompting two of their leaders, Bhikan Khan and Mir Khan, to mock him, saying, Here comes a confectioner. He has been weighing flour and salt, and now the Guru has armed him? Let's take his weapons and his horse and kill him. When Mir Khan swung his sword, Lal Chand parried the blow with his shield and with a mighty swing of his blade beheaded the Pathan. One of the Guru's followers, a religious leader named Mahant Kripal Das, challenged Hayat Khan, a Pathan chief, to single combat. Seeing him armed with only a club, the Pathan refused to engage. The Mahant, however, mocked and goaded the Pathan until he cast the constraints of chivalry aside and swung his sword at the holy man. The Mahant met his sword with his club and it shattered. He pounced upon the Pathan and smashed his skull with the club. Thus, did the army of confectioners, mechanics, merchants, and mendicants humble the might of the proud hill rajas. Thus were the young guru's followers initiated into the art of war. The battle of Pangani was over, but more strife lay ahead. A new chapter in Guru Gobind Rai's life had begun. The Story of the Six is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mine, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Six in Delhi in 1984. His second book, The Camel Merchant of Philadelphia, set in the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, was recently published. Both are available on Amazon. The Story of the Six is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a rendition of Raga Hamir on guitar by the Indian classical maestro Ritom Sarkar, accompanied by Amit Kavtekar on tablet. The performance was recorded live at Sarpreet Singh's home. Season 2 of Story of the Six is sponsored by the Chardikala Foundation, the Sani Family Foundation, and Manpreet Kaur and Ishdeep Singh. I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode of The Story of the Six, Guru Gobind Rai sets up a magnificent court that is the catalyst of a renaissance in poetry, music, and scholarship. He himself composes sublime poetry, and his court is studded with accomplished poets, musicians, and scholars. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.